Now, before we get into this episode of Left of Field, I just want to thank my friends at the Little Hottie Sauna. It's an infrared sauna studio in Subiaco, Perth, and they're sponsoring this episode. So if you want to feel great, why not sweat more and stress less? It's Left of Field with Danny Kavanagh. Hello, 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 friends, and welcome back to another episode. Today, let's just jump straight into it. I'm joined by ex-Hawthorne player Angus Lippeland. He was on Hawthorne's list for six years, and this was during their premiership year, so the high-flying times of Hawthorne. He has all the behind-the-scenes stories and knowledge, and just to sit down with him for half an hour was amazing. I really hope you guys enjoyed this chat, so let's get straight into it. Welcome to Left of Field, Angus. Thanks for making the time to chat to me today. No problem at all. Thank you for having me on. Let's just start at the beginning. You're injured at the moment. How are you going? Yeah, a little bit under the weather. Not ideal, but much to my partner's disgust. I'm back active and running and on the bike and trying to get involved in training again at the moment. So you are back on your feet. So what happened? How did you get injured, firstly? So just a big bump at, in a game of footy and nothing untoward and nothing that wouldn't happen a thousand times in a game of footy. But yeah, things sort of yeah escalated post-game and it was uh, yeah not ideal. Probably don't really want to release the full information of what's going on until post-season. But I don't think it's as bad as the doctors first thought. So hopefully back on the on the field sometime soon. Can you at least tell us where the injury was? Internal, where the blood's supposed to be. Internal. So that's good. And that's good. Is it potentially going to last a few seasons or will you be back playing for the Waffle? So you play for the Subiaco Lions at the moment. Will you be back playing Waffle next season? Uh, my plan is to be back well before that. So you'll be back this year? Yeah. Wow. So how many weeks have you been out for at the moment for the listeners? Missed the last two games and it's been absolute pain watching it. Don't know how people can sit on the sidelines. It's uh, It's torture. <laughs> like getting involved and getting in the action. Yeah, have you always been someone that's super competitive? Absolutely, from the time I was quite young. Yeah, everything I'm doing, always trying to compete. Yeah, basically anything I can get my hands on. Whenever I was in school, it was every sport under the sun. And then even at work at the moment, yeah, we've got little targets and trying to hit those before everyone else. Always something to sort of challenge myself and try and achieve. When did you get into playing AFL? So you grew up in Albany? Yep, so my, I was year three, uh, I played soccer down in Albany and then all my friends at school, I went to a new school and all my friends at school played footy, so I jumped in. I was not very good at it, early days, moved out to Ongrup, played some country footy, still wasn't very good and by the time I hit high school, I think year eight, I grew about 30 centimetres in 12 months and it all sort of, somehow my coordination stayed on board and yeah, from that point I sort of started going quite well and yeah, really enjoyed my footy, there was yeah, eight, nine, ten was playing footy at least once a day, if not twice, with training and playing games. And then went to a clinic year eleven and twelve. Went all right there. Got invited to Claremont, and yeah, got picked up through the Claremont Colts into the AFL. You obviously had a bit, you know, a big growth spurt and grew into this big, powerful defender. When did you decide that you wanted to take the sport seriously and really see if there was a career in it? So, yeah, I never played any of the, the state representative sides growing up through school or anything like that. Just enjoyed playing it. As I said before, literally every opportunity I got, I was kicking a footy. So there was, I was in the school team, the under-15s, the under-17s, Colts, and then playing for 
my hometown I grew up at the time as well. Amongst that, getting my hands dirty as much as possible, but it probably wasn't until I got to Claremont Colt at the start of the season, asked one of the coaches if I was even going to get a game, and five games later was invited to train with the state side, and then we travelled to do all the tournament and went pretty well. I was sort of probably a bit of a, a last-minute bolter. There's guys that played every single state representative side through under-14s through to 18s and never got picked up, but I played four out of the five games of state and, yeah, got picked up by Hawthorne late in the 2010 draft. Talk to me about finding out that you were getting picked up by such a strong club, Hawthorne. All the red-hot fancies got taken over to the Gold Coast, so that was their first year. So it was a bit of a bumper draft. Channel 7 wanted to come and see what the rest of us were doing, so I was uh, living with Adam Sash at the time. So we had a bunch of friends come around and watch the draft and had one of the managers, player managers at the time, say, make sure you press the red button so you watch the actual number. The draft and every club's obviously trying to keep their cards close to their chest. So you have some clubs, hey, we're going to take you with our first pick. Or like, if you're there at this point, we'll pick you. Every kid's heard that story going through the draft. I didn't get a whole lot of that, but there was some confidence amongst the clubs and sort of faded out quite late. And then, yeah, I pressed a button on the TV and the whole thing turned off and everyone in the room panicked. And then it flashed back and Hawthorne had their pick and that was the one. So, yeah, pick 55 in 2010. And I just remember all my mates, there was corona and beer and stuff flying all around the room and everyone mobbed me and outside for a quick interview and that was about it. And then all of a sudden your phone's ringing off the hook. You get all the leadership group of the club calling up, the coach, captain and player welfare manager sort of assessing where you're at, what needs to be done because, yeah, you go from Perth to, to Melbourne in the space of probably 48 hours and then they had pre-season camp another 48 hours after that. So, yeah, it was all a bit of a whirlwind. At that point, I hadn't even travelled overseas. Been around Australia but hadn't travelled overseas and under a week's time, I was hiking up and down mountains with Hawthorne in New Zealand, which was crazy. Did you know that you were going to Hawthorne? Were you hoping you were, you were going to get picked up by Hawthorne? What was your kind of inkling heading into that draft night? I had multiple meetings with multiple other clubs. I think I How had, many clubs? Um, 13 out of the 17 at the time. That's a good return. Um, you must be pretty proud of that. Sort of. I'm very much a cross-the-bridge-when-it-gets-here person. I was obviously pretty Didn't excited. Didn't want to jinx but, um, it. Yeah, basically, touch wood. I know, the first one was quite a surreal. Quite surreal. I got a phone call and they said, hi, we're so-and-so from, from Collingwood, came for an interview. And I thought someone was playing a, a joke on me. But yeah, the phone was quite busy all year. Probably wasn't the most mature kid at the time, but often pick up with a stupid answering machine with friends and I accidentally did that to the Brisbane Lions. so probably put them on the back foot early. Yeah, it was a quite exciting year. I know that your hard work is sort of paying off. So probably halfway through, I did a tech graphics course, like house design and stuff like that at TAFE and got halfway through that first semester and everything started getting quite serious. So put that on the back burner and it was sort of rewarded later that year. I had no idea I was going to Hawthorne. They'd said amongst yeah, probably five or six others that they were keen, but um, again, they're quite quite crafty in the back end and the guys that run the the back of the scene at Hawthorne are quite quite clever and play their cards quite close so yeah, it was a bit of a surprise but very happy I ended up there. After three seasons debuted for Hawthorne in round two 2014 tell me about that match. It was quite quite nuts but again you can see like the last draft about half the kids have already played. Hawthorne when I rocked up had they'd 
just won the flag in 08 and had two pretty disappointing seasons, but two seasons to learn from their mistakes of 09. And then, yeah, 2011, they made the prelim, lost by a kick to Collingwood. They lost the grand final to Sydney, and then they won the grand final in 2013. We actually won the grand final in the VFL in 2013 as well. So we put together quite a good year in reserve level and done everything we could and excelled as much as we could. So quite a few of us the next year, probably late for a debut from someone that got drafted at the ripe old age of 18, but three and a half years of sort of solid work. I missed most of my first year, or the entire first year with a stress fracture in my foot as well. Yeah, all that hard work, doing the extra sessions. So you do a three and a half hour pre-season session and then spend some more time after that working on extras with coaches and stuff like that. So to have it all sort of come through was a really good reward to effort. And the night itself was pretty amazing. Had a few mates fly over, drop everything and come running. They obviously fly family and stuff over and that was pretty incredible. And then the actual game itself, we only won by, I think it might have been 10 points and we kicked. We were down by three points. I think Chapman kicked a goal late to put them up. And then I think Brad Hill kicked a goal and then Cyril kicked the sealer. It was nuts. I think there was less than two minutes to go and we were down by three points and we win by 10 points. So, yeah, it was incredible. When they talk about the home ground advantage, you could you could really tell Essendon didn't want us to win that night. Their fans were going nuts. But, yeah, the actual experience was, was unreal. It was just so quick. From one sort of like there's a turnover in the back pocket and the other team are up the other end scoring in under 10 seconds. It's incredible how quick everything moves. How did you play that game? I think I was all right. Nothing too special. When you're in such a good side, they don't exactly rely on new players. You sort of come in, play your role and do what's expected. So played it sort of deep in defence on a small forward and that was sort of away we go. I think my first touch was a spoil and my next one was a left foot out of bounds on the full. So <laughs> not, a, not an amazing start, but all that matters You'll is we got the win. It. Now you mentioned obviously a lot of names you dropped there and how good that Hawthorne team was for that period. Let's just start with Alistair Clarkson. How was it being coached by him? He's obviously one of the best and yeah, you must have some really good stories. Yeah, I was actually, I was quite fortunate to be there and probably wasn't given, the side was going so well, probably wasn't given a whole lot of time sort of under Clarko's wing. I think I played maybe 20% of my games while he was out crook with Gillian Barre disease or however you say it, while Brendan Bolton took over. Could really understand and see the man's intelligence, understanding the game of football and even the most minute detail, like a step this way or a step that way, how much it has an effect on what happens in the match play and setting up defensive structure and all that sort of stuff. The man was brilliant and there is a reason, I think, since 2013, every coach that's won a flag has either been him or been under him at some point which is yeah, pretty amazing feat. And yeah, most teams in the top eight in the last few years have consisted of his assistant coaches at one point or another. So he's been quite a uh, obviously a, a good story. But yeah, it could have all been quite different if it wasn't for a kick against uh, Richmond back in 2005 or six that never quite made it. So lucky to get where he was. But at the same time, most coaches have been through that and he's done extremely well. In your eyes, see him as good as everyone says he is. What's a moment in your career where he coached you and you really saw his brilliance? In terms of brilliance, just being able to put the right people in the right place and motivate those people. It's not one specific thing, it's a million things he does. As much as he's brilliant with his football, he's just as brilliant with personnel around him. So he had Andrew Russell in as the head fitness coach for a while and he was the best in the game. 
Sagan, who's now at Brisbane as well, was sort of the coaching manager while they were at their peak. And ever since Fagan's left, they haven't quite been the same. So, yeah, the people around him and sort of how he empowered those is probably his defining feature. He's a brilliant man and knows the best in people and how to get that out of him. Is he as passionate off the field as we all think he is? Has he had some big sprays on some big motivational speeches? Yep, probably the best one I can think of. They lost, I think it was the first final to Geelong, I think it was 2010, and they only had the the guys that played that that round in the meeting room with the the projector and that, but there's a few of us that didn't play and we were about three or four walls over and we could still hear him very clearly. He was yelling hard enough to strip the paint off the walls. But yeah, at different times, different players have needed rockets and never short on that. But in terms of his passion, yeah, the lengths he went to to get that out of his players is yeah is unreal. Like from late night house calls to he brought a guitar in and sung a song he made up about about a player one day to sort of motivate us and that sort of stuff. And just having a bit of a laugh when it's needed and getting serious when he needed to as well. Brilliant. What's the culture like at a club that's winning so many premierships? Culture is a, a bit of a buzzword in the industry. Definitely the, the winning culture was there. It was, if it's not helping the team, why are you doing it? Their passion to drive each other, the leadership group that was there at the time, second to none, and you saw that, like, you know, week in, week out, what you're going to get from them, and to drag the, the rest of the group along with them with their high standards was, yeah, second to none. What they did with, in terms of that leadership group and to sort of, push each other and demand that each player get better and better. It was, uh, it was quite phenomenal to watch. Yeah, and how was it playing with players like Burgoyne and Silrioli and Roughhead when they were at their peak? Yeah, quite amazing. Some of the things you see firsthand, I think it was one of my first training sessions, like training, uh, I think Cyril basically picked the ball up from between my legs and made me look like an absolute fool. So I was on the phone to mum when I got drafted saying, she was like, oh, at least you don't have to play on them. Um, I was like, well, <laughs> no, it's worse. I've got to train against them and get that done to me three times a week. So some of the stuff you see on the field, they used to do day in, day out at training as well. So just to watch that it's not just what they do on the field. They uh, they actually do some of that stuff at training. And there's no surprise that they do it because they practice it. They put it into um, what they do week in, week out. And yeah, it shows in the big moments. Who is the best player in the team at that time in your eyes? Sean Berg going hands down. Why? They're all brilliant, but when it gets closer to round one, they always put the best side verse so that they can practice together and get used to playing together. And they always used to put Shawnee Berg on the reserve side just to sort of try and even out the team so it doesn't become a thumping because you literally got the best in the AFL versing a reserve side. Yeah, Shawnee would still be the best player on the field every time to the point where some of the other leaders sort of arc up and be squabbling about who's got to play on him to slow him down. But, yeah, what Shawnee can do in any part of the ground is uh, phenomenal. And you reckon there could be a few Hall of Famers from those teams? Oh, absolutely. Hall of Famers win one flag, let alone three, let alone three in a row. So that group that they put together and the results they achieved, yeah, pretty hard to argue with. After starting Pilates at KX Pilates Subiaco, my body has been in need of some extra love and attention. And that's when I decided to give 
little hotty saunas ago. And honestly, my body has thanked me. From about 30 minutes to 45 minutes in a sauna, your skin feels amazing afterwards, that all that sweating out of toxins, really getting rid of the chemicals and clogged pores, your blood flow increases, all the nutrients come to the surface and it allows you to have a really natural glow. And now here comes the good part because for all you Left of Field podcast listeners, Little Hottie Saunas in Subiaco are offering you 10% off their single sessions and pack. So just use the code LOF10 at checkout. Sweat more and stress less. What's it like being around that success? Team's confident, they're firing, but you're personally struggling to break in. It's, yeah, a little bit double-edged. Um, you're obviously quite happy for the guys. As much as, yeah, sort of have this discussion a bit, but it could have gone one of two ways. You could end up at Hawthorne or you could end up at a team and play a few more games. But sort of what I've learned has been good life lessons. It is pretty special to be around them. I effectively had a front row seat. Got to be a fly on the wall for pretty amazing stuff. Like went to four grand final days in a row, three of which they won and got to stand in the team song at the the end of the game and all that sort of stuff on grand final day, which some players never get to experience. And they say it's a money-can't-buy experience, but I'm sure enough money will get you in the circle. But, yeah, to see some of that stuff firsthand has been pretty amazing. And, yeah, very thankful and grateful that I got to experience that. Did you wish you, though, you got drafted to another team and got that more experience? Uh, not overly. Like, would have liked to have played more games, but I'm pretty happy with how things have turned out and very happy, happy to be at Subiaco and how life's worked out since. So, yeah, I guess would have loved to play more games, but at the same time, pretty happy with how things have, have turned out. So, yeah, you did play 25 matches. And yep. did you think when, you know, Brian Lake retired and all of that, did you think that you'd get the opportunity to possibly play a bit more? Potentially. I saw the writing on the wall probably halfway through my, my final year there. Uh, so I played 13 in my first year, which was 2014. Played six in 2015 and six more in 2016. So I played the first four weeks of 2016. Yeah, played one game as a, a last-minute call-up and then played the final game against Sydney halfway through the year. I think it might have been around 15 or something like that. Beat Sydney in Sydney. But yeah, it was sort of... Struggling to find consistency at AFL level when you're competing with such good players. They had quite a few good young players at the time coming through. So, yeah, I could sort of see the writing on the wall. Probably wasn't travelling overly too well at the time. So it's probably been a blessing in disguise to get out of the industry because it is quite stressful. A lot of guys you see now coming out with sort of mental health and actually being open and honest and explaining to the masses that it isn't always glitz and glory. It's uh, There's a lot of hard work and a lot of sacrifice behind the scenes. So I think for me to get out of the system at the time and go and work myself out has, has been a blessing. So not overly disappointed. Would have liked to have achieved more, but happy with the end result. Yeah, did you find it tough not making the side and being, I guess, away from family? Did Is that when you decided that you didn't want to, you know, potentially chase another team and wanted to come back home? Definitely put myself out there, open to another team. Probably didn't use all the resources available at the time to try and work out another place but as soon as dream had sort of ended was yeah pretty keen to get home to the the sun and the beach over here and then get around friends and family so basically graduated and not long later was on the other side of the country so had missed my friends for quite a while so uh, and family so it's good to get home and sort of get amongst them again
And how did you choose to join the Lions? Was it a tough decision to go to a new club rather than to go back to Claremont, who you got drafted with? Yeah, absolutely. told my manager, Colin Young, at the time that I wasn't really overly interested in talking to anyone else. And just through Sam Menegola, who's now at Geelong, one of my best mates, he was at Hawthorne for a year when I was there, three years at the Dockers, and then was delisted and spent a year at Subiaco and reckoned it was uh, one of the best times of his life. So he advised that I go there. So between Claremont and Subiaco, I sort of had it all up in the air. There was a few things back and forth, and uh, I ended up picking Subiaco based on a couple of things. One being Claremont sacked my uncle halfway through 2016, so that's not a, a great start. And then the other was pretty keen to make up my own decision. You sort of you get drafted into a club that you don't really pick. You get zoned into a club you don't really get picked through the waffle and so I thought no I want to make my own decision and decided I was leaning towards Subiaco and then actually had a phone call from mum probably a day or two before I had to make the decision and she said that my great granddad when Leadable used to be West Perth my great granddad's ashes are actually scattered from the current Subiaco race to the closest goal so I thought there's a bit of a bit of a tie there yeah, so I thought, right, that's enough. I'll make the call on that. And, yes, I think it's the best decision I've ever made. The club's been great. You've won a premiership? About culture. Uh, yeah, I've won two. I've had pretty good success over the last couple of years. Yeah, some of the mates I've met there in a short amount of time have, will be lifelong mates, I can, uh, I can guarantee it. You know, being a professional athlete, have a lot of training. How do you manage that heavy training and playing schedule with full-time jobs and families now that you're back playing the waffle? So, yeah, we, we train quite hard at Subi, but my plan when I came home was to put a career outside of football first. If football managed to work itself back out, that could always go back to it. But I didn't want to hang around in the waffle for two or three years and not start making a life after football. So sort of put a career slightly ahead career did you end up choosing and was that something that you thought about during AFL? No, so I did a few certificates and a bit of study through the AFL through my time in the AFL but sort of lucky in got a job through a family friend at Westside Scaffolding which was yes scaffolding is not a great job for a guy that's scared of heights through another friend and I guess that's something I learned in the AFL the networking side of of life is uh, is pretty crucial but through another friend landed a job at carsales.com so I'm effectively a digital account manager so I help dealerships advertise their cars and connect them to customers. I just want to ask are you still a fan of a donut? Uh, <laughs> yes absolutely that was a bit of a stitch up but in saying that. So let's yeah, tell everyone how that time when you were emergency for a Friday night game with Hawthorne at the MCG and you were caught eating a donut on live TV. How did that go down? So there's a few holes in that story, much like a donut. But um, I was actually out for the entire season. I had a stress fracture in my foot. I was to miss the entire year. We were playing Port Adelaide, so I was actually on a Friday, and Box Hill were playing on a Saturday. So none of the other guys that were in the that weren't playing that night were there. So it was just me, maybe one or two others. I think we were beating Port Adelaide quite convincingly, and I went and thought I'd sneak myself a donut. I had my back to the club dietitian and thought I was getting away with it. It wasn't until later that night that, uh, yeah, that actually put me on the big screen eating the donut. And, yeah, that got back to the club and, yeah, got in a little bit of trouble for that. But not much I could do at the time. The season was over for myself, so <laughs> enjoyed it. But I thought you'd enjoy it. Well, did you enjoy that one as much as being one of the only players Israel Folau's taken a hanger on? How was that moment? I wouldn't say a hanger, but I did get yelled at. It was one of my 
few bakes from Clarko who were saying, oh, you're not, you're not hitting the body hard enough. I was like, mate, I'm 80 kilos dripping wet. That bloke's 120. He's built like a brick outhouse. I've thrown absolutely everything in I have into him and he's not moved a muscle. So there's not much more I could do, Chief. <laughs> the ups and downs of AFL. But uh, who are you uh, away from the game then? So who is Angus not playing AFL? What do you like to do? So my lovely partner, Sarah, spent quite a bit of time with her. I've got a big hairy dog in Hendrix, always taking him to the beach, if not sitting on the couch with him. And then, yeah, I like to catch up with, have a beer with my friends, get around the Subi Footy Club and help them in their uh, aspirations. And, and we're yeah, like um, You're in a bit into bike riding, hey? I'm a social rider, so amongst a few friends, we get out and it's probably about one coffee per 20Ks, but the guy that actually got me the job at car sales runs Pedal Mafia in Subiaco in WA. Yeah, he's looked after me with a bit of lycra here and there. And yeah, any excuse to get out on the bike is a lot more enjoyable than running. You, know, you might cover four or five Ks with a run, whereas you, you travel 40 or 50 Ks on a bike ride and then you get to stop for a coffee and it's much more social than going for a job. Try and keep myself as busy as possible. Did a little bit of work with the Resilience Project. I couldn't recommend them high enough. If uh, any of us just want to get in and have a look at that. Based on the principle of looking for the little wins in life and what you are grateful for and what you're happy to have, the brain is a magnificent thing, but it can also be detrimental. You notice eight negative things before you notice one positive. So you need to rewire the brain to, to go and look for the positive in life. So I actually got a message from Kyle Horsley when I was in hospital saying, oh, sucks to hear, and I responded with, well, now I've got a bit of time up my sleeve. I can start organising more stuff for the boys at the footy club. And he pointed out that, yeah, not everyone finds a silver lining. So the fact that I've sort of come out the other side and, yeah, can sort of find that the positive in life being something that I didn't always used to be able to do and you now have, the, I guess, the, uh, the skill to do. Great. And what's a motto that you like to live life by? Taking the piss here, but lick the stamp or put it on its side and send it has been going pretty well. When in doubt, put the ball on its side and kick it as far as possible. Great one. I really enjoy that. So possibly two weeks we'll see you playing back out for the Lions. I've got to run, run that past the misses, but uh, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Well, hopefully. So uh, I wish you all the luck and I hope you have a speedy recovery. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. Wow. That was amazing. I honestly was blown away getting all the insights into that culture at Hawthorne. It sounds like it would have been a phenomenal experience. Thank you guys for listening. I hope you enjoyed it too. Please go back and listen to the other episodes. You know the drill. Tune in again next week because I have another killer episode that I'm really excited to bring you. So thank you and goodbye.